welcome to Cavalier Central, bringing you everything you need to know about the wine and gold. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Cavalier Central. Be sure to check out these other NBA pods on the Hoopheads Podcast Network, including Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Spanning the Spurs, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, X's and O's NBA Breakdown, LA Hoops, The Wizards Hoops Analyst, At The Buzzer, and Lakers Fast Break. Plus, our coaching-focused podcasts, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Beyond the Ball, the CoachMaze.com podcast, Players Court, Bleachers and Boards, The Green Light, and Courtside Culture. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. Hey, Hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com slash team pricing to learn more. That's A. R-Y-S-E dot com. Hey everybody, welcome back. I'm your host, Justin Matcham, and here with me tonight, Dan Galinsky, Amadou So. Guys, how are you doing? I'm doing great, man. How are you? It's your, it's, it's your birthday today. It is my birthday. It's yeah. been a good day. You know, yep. I had an ice Happy cream birthday. cake from Cold Stone, Excellent. so. Oh, you were Cold Stone wrap. Yes, yes. We're, we're doing good today. Dan, how are you? Excellent, sir. Excellent. Fantastic. Always great to hear. It's what we like to hear. Uh, we don't like to hear what the Cavs have been doing lately. They've lost two straight now to the Lakers and Kings on this little West road trip, a couple of late games that ended up not being worth staying up for, especially, well, the Kings one was entertaining, but um, Cavaliers now 17-29 and 29 on the season. Um, the Kings game in particular, a little bit of a blow at the end. Harrison Barnes uh, crushing the dreams of the Cavs and Cavs fans everywhere um, in the 198 win. A shot very similar to the one that LeBron once hit. I think it was against the Wizards in that game where I think it was that's a tie, I think. But anyway, they went yeah, overtime Yeah, where LeBron like banked it in Lamar, or uh, Harrison didn't. Anyway, Cavs got a little bit of a taste of their own medicine there. I want to talk specifically first, though, about this Kings game. Uh, the rotations in this game were different than we have seen. I'll just say that. So, obviously, no Jared Allen this game. Uh, no Jared Allen tonight against the Jazz either with a concussion. So, Larry Nance Jr., who we were talking about, you know, some of these smaller guys being Larry, Dean, maybe seeing some center minutes. Larry and Dean were the only two big men really on the roster in this game, so they took all of the center minutes. Um, Larry got the start there. Dean, really, who we haven't seen at all at that five spot, also logging some minutes. Um, I thought overall they did well, but outside of that, we saw Broderick Thomas get his first start, played 31 minutes. Uh, and the most notable thing, Dylan Windler, Jetty Osman, and Quinn Cook 
all getting DNP coaches' decisions. I'll start with you, Amadou. Is it time to see, I and mean, maybe, I, I doubt that, you know, it'll be this drastic this soon, but I think we all saw the, the Jetty Osman minutes cut coming, and maybe even for Windler as well. Uh, were you surprised to see them both just get slashed completely in this game? Um, yeah, I was. Just considering, like you said, um, we didn't have any natural centers on the roster this game. Jared Allen being out with a concussion, we, I thought personally would have seen more of like, you know, Dylan Wendler or Jetty Osmond at the four. We just didn't see it. And honestly, I think this is maybe a message from JB Peterson. Both of those guys haven't really been playing all 12. I know Jetty has been, you know, super consistent throughout the entire season. Um, Dylan Wendler, you know, he's, we've seen some bright spots, but same thing as well. It hasn't really been too, too much to, to fond on this season. So that's honestly what I think it was. I think we'll probably will see them play today. Um, but as a message standpoint, I personally like it because it lets them know, like, you guys just have to play better. You know, just have to hit your open shots and stuff. So we'll, we'll see how that affects the team moving on. Dan, what did you take away from Jetty Quinn and Dylan just completely not getting any minutes in this game? Yeah, I think with Jetty, I think, yeah, the lack of, or I guess just being way off for so long, I, I think that was maybe, I don't know about warranted, but I, I can understand it more, and this is your, what, four for him, so um, yeah, got to get it together, clearly. Uh, but yeah, with Quinn Cook, I mean, they they had Broderick Thomas in there. I, I thought that was, him getting 31 minutes was a, was a stretch, frankly, to me. Um, and, and honestly, I think Quinn Cook with I think he's played pretty well uh, when he's had kind of consistent, or I guess more burn. Um, thought he played really well against Chicago. I thought that was kind of odd um, to see, and I thought he should have had some run. But again, he's not going to be a guy that plays a ton of minutes. But um, just having, I mean, Damian Dotson played well in that Kings game, but considering. I mean, that's the best game he's played in. I, I really don't even know how long. So that was a little bit of a shock there. Um, and then with Windler, him playing zero minutes to me and playing, I don't think he's played over, I think over, I think he's played sub 10 minutes and three of his past six appearances. I, I, like he, he needs to be playing more. It's not like he does nothing on the floor. Um, one of Cleveland's best perimeter defenders, I think, to this point, objectively. Um, and even that when he's not hitting shots, he does other stuff well. Um, just always kind of injects life into the kind of bench units. I mean, obviously, he needs to hit more shots. I'm not denying that. But it was a little bit of a stretch to me that he got that treatment, considering Jetty gets way more usage and way has had a, such a long leash for so long. I, I just thought it was... Honestly, a little bit of a stretch for him to not play at all. And I think, you know, I, I can understand it with Quinn Cook, and we'll, we'll talk about him, you know, soon here. Just as far as, I, I'm not sure how much of a role he's going to have here moving on in his time left. Um, we'll, we'll have to see if the Cavaliers, the, the Cavaliers have a decision to make on Quinn Cook. You can only give out two 10 days. Uh, his second 10 days nearing the end. We're not quite there, uh, but they're going to have to make a decision. Uh, personally, I'm not sure if this is kind of signaling that, Maybe they are looking to move away from him and just kind of keep, you know, giving Broderick Thomas those kind of heavy minutes. Um, 
I don't think that Roger Thomas is going to be playing 20, 30 minutes a night. Uh, I don't hate the idea of giving him these minutes. I think I, I personally, and I, again, I don't know if Jetty's, I don't think uh, Jetty is going to be a out of the rotation guy, you know, down the stretch here, but especially with Dylan Lindler, um, th- th- it's not something that I would expect moving forward uh, that for him to be receiving DNPs. And it is, Kind of concerning that, you know, these past, like you said, five games or so, it has been scarce, you know, minutes for Dylan. But I think especially as of late with these past couple games, just giving Roger Thomas so much run, uh, playing basically 50 minutes between these two games, I think that's the biggest reason. I don't think that's something that they're going to keep up. At the same time, I do like giving Roger Thomas these minutes. Again, I don't think it's something that is sustainable, but get him out there, you know, get him get him some looks, just kind of see what he's got. I think that you're, you're at the point in the season now where why not, you know, just see what you have in the guy, let him work through some of his mistakes let, and just see what you have in the guy. And I think overall, Roger Thomas did not shoot the ball well in these two games. Uh, again, in uh, LA, he went 0 for 7 in 20 minutes. And against the Kings, shot 2 for 8, uh, 1 for 3 from 3 uh, in 31 minutes, basically. But I think... I, I personally liked what we've seen from him so far. Um, again, the shooting, <laughs> the rookie wall has come quick for Broderick. Uh, he's, he's not shooting the ball well, and some of these some of these misses are kind of ugly, especially from deep. He's had a couple, you know, hit the side of the backboard bricks. But overall, I think, you know, shots like the, the game against the Kings where he kind of does those two pump fakes and, you know, gets a guy off his feet and then finishes for an easy layup. Things like that just kind of shows that, you know, he's comfortable with the ball. Uh, and the, the defensive instincts, I think, are there as well. Um, obviously, against the, the Sacramento Kings, the Cavaliers went with a really small starting lineup, going Garland, Sexton, Thomas at the three, Okoro at the four, and Nance at the five. Uh, I think Broderick held up well guarding some bigger players, and I think you know just his length and wingspan helps with that. But we've seen already, I mean, he got two steals and two blocks in this game uh, against L.A. Did he get a block against L.A. as well, I believe? Yeah, he got two blocks against LA as well. I mean, and you know, you can look at you know defensive stats, whatever. But it's a clear like that this guy kind of has a knack for blocking shots um, from the guard position, which is a positive trait. And I think he's active off the ball as well. Um, I think just his ability to stay in front of guys is is something promising already. Even you know playing in has he reached ten NBA games yet? I don't think he has. So I personally have been really kind of intrigued with what we've seen from him so far obviously he's got to work through the shooting slump that he's in um just another another young guy with the Cavs that probably should be shooting better than he is but he did go five for six from the line uh against or against LA you know just a positive sign that he you know was able to hit some shots what have you seen so far from Roger Thomas Amadou just everything that you've said you know um right now he is in that rookie wall you know the shooting slump there are some pretty ugly misses, but overall, I just, I mean, I understand, you know, like what you said, at this point in the season, it's about, what, 20, 25 some games left in the season. I don't, I don't think, I mean, I don't think the Cavs are, are going to make the playoffs, probably won't even make the play-in. So this is a time where you want to really focus on your young guys like, you know, Roger Thomas or like a Lamar Stevens, trying to really, really see what you have in those type of guys. And I mean, <clears throat> like you said as well with Quinn Cook, his, his 10 days coming up. I feel like that DMP is sort of the reason why we see that. Maybe they're looking to try to see if Broderick can be that backup ball handler for them. 
And I like I like it. I like it. Um, this rookie ball, we'll see how long this lasts. But so far, I mean, for what the Cavs got him for and, you know, being an undrafted guy, I mean, you can't really complain too much of what you've seen from him. Dan, where are you at with Broderick right now? And do you think we continue to see a heavy minute load for him moving forward? Obviously, I don't think we're going to see him, you know, playing 30 minutes a night, you know, for too much longer, possibly not even again tonight. But um, are, are you happy with Broderick Thomas getting a regular role in the rotation right now? Yeah, I think to an extent, um, I, I can understand where they're going there. and But, yeah, I, it's just, to me, minutes at the three for Broderick Thomas, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, you could say I'm rigid, but that that's just a little bit of a stretch to me. Um, but I, I guess with Buddy Heald, that matchup, I can understand it. Uh, more, of, more of an off-ball, kind of off-movement shooter guy. And Thomas defensively has looked... Um, again, really promising. Um, that's been good to see from him. Um, and yeah, you mentioned his knack um, for off-ball feel. There, um, his has definitely stood out, and that's that's been impressive to me. Um, but yeah, on ball, I, I I get that they're giving him opportunities. I, I get it, and uh, he's he's made some nice passes. And if guys could hit shots, it would help. Um, boost those splits a little bit, but again, I, I it's it's hard for me to be playing him X amount of minutes in, in that way. Uh, I, I just like to see that kind of them experiment a little bit, maybe put um, kind of I don't know, either one of Sexton or Garland at the one, um, have Thomas at the two, I guess, and then have Windler at the three, and maybe a Coro at the four, and like Nance or at the five, for example, uh, or, or Hartenstein. Um, it's just to me, I, yeah, it's offensively. He's, I can't really expect the guy to be out there scoring a lot, but, uh, again, with Windler, I just rather them not kind of crush the guy while, while he's down considering all the <laughs> injury issues that or struggles that he's had in the past. I, I think with him, um, you, you got to let him get, give him a little bit longer beliefs than that. It's this isn't the same situation as Jay. I think in a similar sense of Roger Thomas is kind of having the opportunity to work through some of these mistakes. I think it's fair to say that you know we should be doing kind of the same with Windler and well, you can play both of them in, and and that's the too. I'm saying you can time, you can so. you know give them both minutes. Yeah, I'm just saying and you know how yeah, how we talk if, about you know, giving like Roger this type of leash in that route. You might as well. I mean kind of go mm-hmm. on with it as opposed to kind of excluding guys. I don't know. Well, Dan, we got to talk a little bit about Damian Dotson. Against the Kings, Damian Dotson, for the first time and who knows how long, had an efficient shooting night. Four for five from the field, that is 80%. He went only one for two. Well, not only one for two, but one for two from three. He did miss his only free throw late in the game, and that kind of hurt. But um, Damian Dotson shooting the ball efficiently, efficiently, efficiently. Is this a sign? It's actually more <laughs> of a an indictment on the Kings, if anything. But I, I really do feel bad for Dotson, though. I I just I didn't see this happening. But I mean, the guy had he's had wow he had six DMPs in a row before the last three games. Wow. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I'm, yeah, with with some guys out, you know, he's he's kind of, and especially with them not playing Wingler or Cook or Osman. But yeah, he he was was out there for a while, but I th- played a solid game against the Kings uh, oh, again. Good. Kind yeah, of absolutely good. had to take on a backup ball handler role again, and I thought had a solid game again. He actually like shot the ball fairly well. I think he did – was it in this game or the Lakers game that he did have another one of those, like, badly, badly missed threes? But we're going to focus on the positives didn't take here. any threes against LA, I don't think. Didn't he? Well, then it was against no, the Kings. Yeah, there was a, Kings. a horribly missed shot. But we can ignore it. We can move past it and just look at – hey, you know what? We might get some more Damian Dotson tonight. Let's hope we do. I want to see him do this again. Um Overall, Amadou, we've seen a lot of uh, Larry Nance and Dean Wade at the center spot in these past couple games. Larry Nance especially, um, before Allen going down even, he kind of had to take on some of those roles. uh, And has really played very, very well in that position as of late. What have you seen from Larry Nance that you've liked? Um, Well, I do want to say that his playing well, I mean, it's kind of been great for him uh, personally because he's playing against, you know, someone who's similar in size on the Kings and um, Rashawn Holmes. So I feel like that was that was a great matchup for him. Um, tonight he's going to be going against uh, Rudy Gobert, so we'll see how he handles that. But, I mean, I like it. It's just more spacing in that lineup. You know, Larry Nance now can really hit the open three. And for a guy of his capabilities to play the center spot, you know, a lot of active hands, you know, he's able to get some steals. He had two steals against the Kings. Played a great game overall, 17 points, five assists, having that playmaking ability. Um, added playmaking ability because we do know that Jared Allen does have the ability to find his teammates as well too. But added playmaking, just more active hands and spacing at the five spot, really helps to open the offense up more. And it's 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 been enjoyable for the the one game or so that it's been happening. Funny, he actually had seventeen points and five assists in both of these games that we've been talking about. But um, Dan, you had mentioned earlier in the day that you know just kind of. Larry Nance's resurgence and, you know, kind of finding his rhythm coming back from the wrist injury that he had. Uh, what has stood out to him in your eyes? Well, yeah, I'm going to really hit it. Uh, just his activity defensively. Uh, I think, yeah, it's just also with his ability to make uh, plays with both hands as a passer, that's definitely um, having that feel back, that dexterity, I think definitely matters for him. He's a guy that, as we know, is such a high IQ player. And before, I mean, he was really trusting that. Didn't seem to have that full dexterity uh, as a playmaker either, which definitely matters. Uh, I mean, if you're able to, if you have to have, or I should say, if you have a, a five, four, I would say more so four, um, that can make those kind of plays with both hands definitely matters. Uh, and that you kind of see that when he's able to make like really nice interior feeds, um, that sort of thing is, is kind of pop to me. Um, but again, just what he's able to do off the ball too, um, still does his kind of roles when it comes to like setting double drags, um, that sort of thing. Him and I, it's been nice to see him kind of have some stuff where he does cross screening, um, a little bit with Wade that we saw that kind of gets, um, a little bit of confusion caused defensively. Uh, that's sort of stuff I'd like to see as well. And again, to me though, I just, I, again, I don't 
think with Nance at the five, it's it, yeah. With Rashawn Holmes, it's a little different, but it's it's tough to see that like really that sustainable. I'd just rather him, frankly, not get hurt. And <laughs> I mean, you could say that's morbid, but I guess he's actually was he on the injury report against the Jazz? I didn't see that, but apparently well, I didn't see him on there. Said Damarell, so I'm not really sure on that, but maybe that's just like a Cavs really quick like number of games. Maybe they're considering sitting him. I, I honestly don't know, but either way, yeah, his his activity is definitely popped, and the shot from deep um, on catch and shoots has been really good to see that confidence back. And obviously, it's been out of necessity these past couple games that he's been playing yeah. center. Uh, Jared Allen, we assume, will be back before too long. And we also get Isaiah Hartenstein, who hopefully against a guy like Gobert, who's going to need a bigger body on him, will we'll get you know his fair share of minutes tonight as well. Uh, before he we kind of get into a, <laughs> yeah, uh, before we get into Isaiah Hartenstein a little bit more, I do just kind of want to talk about some of these guys. The you know the the Quinn Cooks the. Roger Thomas is the Lamar Stevens of this team, uh, guys who aren't necessarily on traditional contracts. And I guess we can start with Quinn Cook being the 10-day guy. Um, Amadou, do you think that Quinn Cook gets a rest-of-season contract from what we've seen so far um, on a team that, again, it, it seems like there's still some hope that, you know, Del Vadova will be coming back at some point and that, you know, he can get on the floor and play some minutes uh, like I said, I, I see this past DNP as a little bit of a troubling sign, but uh, what, are, what are your general thoughts here? I feel like him signing for the rest of the season is just dependent on how confident the Cavs are that uh, Matthew Delvadova will be back this season. Um, because if Matthew Delvadova does return and you're still trying to play Roger Thomas, those minutes, I just don't really see where minutes for Quinn Cook would come from, especially in a, in a point guard role where, I mean, it's Darius, it's it's going to be Matthew Delvadova. It's going to be Roger Thomas at times. So, um, yeah, it just that's just telling for me. I feel like if he does return for the rest of the season, I don't know if we will see Matthew Delvadova this season. Um, but that's just that's just how I feel. I always kind of viewed, you know, the, the Quinn Cook signing as more of just a filling a short term need type of signing, being that you know he he at the time just provided a little bit of instant offense off the bench at the time when you know the Cavaliers were dealing with a little bit of injuries in their guard rotation. I don't think it was ever really supposed to be a long-term thing. And obviously, I mean, Quinn Cook isn't an old guy, but he's not necessarily a young. It's not like he's, you know, someone who matches up with really, I guess, the, the quote-unquote timeline of this team. Uh, so I, I don't know if he was ever really in the long-term answers. And that he could get a rest-of-season contract with a non-guarantee on next year, and it's not like, you know, he has to compromise future plans. But, D- Dan, what do you think is going to go on here? And obviously, having that roster spot, you know, if he – isn't brought back could be valuable in bringing back other guys if you want a young guy that you can look at. What do you think is going to happen with Quinn Cook at this point? Uh, just for the record, yeah, Nance is out due to illness tonight, so I don't think it's... Nance is out, okay. Huh. Um, so it's but, illness, you said? Yeah, it was just illness, yeah. Um, so... Oh, good lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I'm sorry, Nance is out against the Jazz now, that's... Yeah, that's not great. Another, I guess we're seeing a Hartenstein start. We'll we'll get to Hartenstein in a minute, but Quinn Cook. <laughs> yeah, I see. To me, I, yeah, it's. It, I get that it could maybe be kind of a, I guess, precursor to that um, with the DMP for Cook. But I, I just think with Delhi, we've 
we've heard that he could be back on this road trip. Uh, hasn't played out. Seems like it just keeps getting delayed and delayed. Honestly, I think Quick or Cook actually will be um, getting a rest of season deal eventually. I mean, whatever minute you could say, like a multi-year deal, whatever. Um, but I'm sure it would just be non-guaranteed for the other other years. But I, I think he will be around. That's just gut feeling. I could be obviously wrong, but it, I just think it's kind of a guy that you can trust to an extent. Um, and it's not like we don't have any young guys playing, nor will. Uh, I, I wouldn't expect him to be nearly close to a, or an every-night guy. I, I mean, if if and when Delhi is back, I wouldn't really think he'd be really in the rotation at all. But I think it's kind of just a, an it's emergency a nice to have. kind of guy to have. And um, still a COVID-impacted season. I think it's just kind of a dude that you know what you're kind of going to get to an extent. Um, which is hardly the case for a lot of people on this roster. So, Looking at Roger Thomas in particular, I think it's safe to say that I don't think the Cavs are going to go in a different direction and wave him, but I also don't think that he's really a candidate at all to get converted. Um, seems, you know, fine where he's at on the two-way contract. Uh, Lamar Stevens, though, is someone who I think, and we, we've seen, you know, at least on Cavs Twitter, some some conversations um, as far as what the Cavs could do with this open roster spot or these open roster spots, rather, uh, Lamar Stevens seems like a very obvious candidate to possibly get converted uh, to a full-time regular contract. Uh, the Cavaliers obviously never spent any of their mid-level exceptions, so they do have that full mid-level to give him a you know three- or four-year contract. Uh, for those who don't know, a minimum exception contract will only be able to be two years. That's why you know some teams are restricted in this situation. But Lamar really doesn't have any restrictions, being that they do have money to spend. So they could give him a long-term deal now if they wanted to. They could obviously, like I said, also wait until later on to do so. But, um, Dan, would you like the idea of just converting Lamar now and getting him on the, I guess, the main roster? Yeah, I'd I'd be for that. Um, Just as kind of a testament to him, what he's been able to provide when he's played. And just kind of that energy kind of pretty versatile guy like can be at least viable um, at least defending two through four and that's kind of like to me it's it's kind of a nice small ball four piece to have I kind of look at him in that way and obviously offensively as a ways to go is is a shooter um, but can kind of get some buckets in the in the mid-range area Um, and he's gotten it going from three a little bit as of late as well he's been He's been hitting some out there. Yeah, and I just think it's a guy to have um, with you. Um, I, I think it's definitely a low-risk move if you did that. And if need be, I mean, if you think that you can maybe add assets down the road if it's kind of a – ends up being like a McKinney situation where you trade him for a then-expiring deal that you think could be a real contributor like it was before, I can kind of understand that, but – I just think with him, he's he's 23. It's a good guy to, to have around, and the offense can come. I mean, he did find ways to score at Penn State. And even now, with the shooting limitations, he's still scoring the ball very efficiently. I mean, in these past couple of games, he's been shooting – he shot five for five from the field. Uh, you know, a strong yeah, finisher can, around the rim, like you've said, right. you know, kind of a mid-range bucket getter. Uh, has Again, I think as the season has gone on, we've kind of – at least I have, you know, slowly – 
kind of gained some confidence in him as a three-point shooter. I, I'm still not there with him, but I think it's it's coming at least, you know, to a respectable level. Um, Amadou, what are your thoughts on, I guess, just the Lamar Stevens play as of late? And obviously, he's another guy who has, again, in the past couple games, you know, found a, a bit of a role in this rotation again. But uh, I think it, it's clear that, you know, this is a guy who should be sticking around long term. Uh, do you like the idea of just converting him now? Yeah, of course. I mean, like Dennis said, it's a low-risk move. Um, he provides versatility, um, a nice mid-range score. We see him with strong finishing abilities. And he's played – I feel like he's played great enough to, of course, earn a rest-of-the-year contract. I feel like this is definitely a no-brainer. Hey, everyone. The NBA season is underway, and there is no better way to celebrate than with Thrive Fantasy, the daily fantasy sports app for player props. They have eliminated the need to do countless hours of research because they only ask you about the top-tier athletes in each sport. All you have to do is pick five out of the ten player prop options to build your lineup. Each prop has a fantasy point total associated with the over or under based on its likelihood to occur. The more points a selection is worth, the riskier it is. Rack up the most points to win a portion of the prize pool. Thrive has awarded over $2 million in prizes since launching in 2018 and will be awarding thousands more this NBA season. So download the Thrive Fantasy app today or visit thrivefantasy.com to get started. Use the promo code KLOVE, that's K-L-O-V-E, like Kevin Love, when you sign up and you will receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Sign up and prop up today. That's all I really got on these couple of games. I do want to get into the JaVale for Isaiah Hartenstein and two second round picks trade real quick. Um, obviously we talked about it on the last episode, me and Dan did. I would love to hear what your thoughts are just on the trade in general, Amadou, and maybe just on the whole trade deadline in general, being, you know, the lack of moves with Jetty and, and Tarian and Andre, obviously. Uh, what, what were your, just some of your reactions and thoughts to the trade deadline and the JaVale McGee, the JaVale McGee trade? Yeah. Um, personally... I was kind of surprised that JaVale was the only player that we dealt. I thought, you know, JaVale McGee traded. It was it was always something that could have happened. And, of course, it did. And talking about the whole JaVale McGee thing, we got a second to take him on. And then we got seconds to get rid of him. So, I mean, for a team that's rebuilding like us, it just makes sense. Even though he provided stuff in the locker room and he, he was solid for us at the backup center position. Um, still, I feel like that move is just if, – if the deal was there, it just had to happen. Uh, personally, though, I felt like, I don't know, I feel like the way we handled the Andre Drummond situation could have been better. I feel like that's that's kind of the reason why we weren't able to find a trade for him because it was like, we, we probably would have just ended up releasing him. I feel like a lot of teams taught that, like the Lakers and, and the Nets, when they got into it. Um, I think the, re- the reports came out and then it was like the Knicks were trying to make a last second move because they didn't want him to go to the Lakers. Obviously, it didn't end up um, going that way. We talked in a pod a lot about, you know, the Knicks as a potential destination, getting back like Kevin Knox or Frank Nilakina. I feel like that would have been a great get for us. But again, didn't end up that way. Jetty, I just, I, even though you could say I probably wanted to, or a lot of people wanted him to be moved, I just never really thought he'd be moved just because I think. Where are you supposed to move him? <laughs> yeah, I think where are you supposed to move him? We talk, we talk about Jetty a lot. I think a lot of people in the NBA, the higher ups know that he just hasn't been great at all this year. And I think the Cavs probably wanted to keep him too, honestly, because he's he's a guy that's been here for the past five seasons. And if you do want to move him, that's probably a move you make in the offseason or something. But, I mean, I can't really complain too much. We were able to get three seconds for a 
what, 40 games, 30 games of Joe McGee. So I can't, I can't complain too much. Well, how do you like the Hartenstein acquisition? Yeah. Um, so another, another young guy coming in here. Who yeah. I think, you know, obviously this, this recording will be going up after the jazz game is already played, but I'm assuming we're going to see a very big role mm-hmm. from him tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, Hartenstein, I mean, he's a, a young, big body. Like, I think he's only about 30, not, excuse me, not 30, 23 years old. Um, he had a couple of great games for the, the Rockets last season. Um, of course, you know, he, he was playing alongside James Harden. James Harden can make it easy for, you know, those centers to, to really score, but still had, had a lot of great games. Um, the Cavs actually uh, saw him in that Nuggets game that we played where, um, obviously didn't end up too good for us, but he had, I think, two blocks, three rebounds and four points in like eight minutes of play. So that's decent. Um, has some, even though it may be a little minuscule, some ability to step out and hit that, uh, three point shot. So if you can just provide, you know, what, a tall center can provide you run protection. Maybe I'm um, just some solid minutes. I mean, I can't complain too much. He, he's only 23. Um, honestly, he probably won't be on the team for too long, but again, like I said, I mean, you're getting three seconds along with him for, for JaVale McGee. It's, it's not to complain about too much. And it's just one of those guys that you just can take a flyer on. I mean, yeah, has exactly. been doing That's that a it. lot, so mm-hmm. it could work out. It might not. Um, just doing your due diligence. Just makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he'll certainly get thrown into the fire tonight. I'm assuming that he will get the start, uh, just being that he is basically – him and Dean Wade are the, the two bigs on the roster right now. Uh, Dean Wade, again, quote-unquote big. But, Dan, looking ahead to tonight, what do you think we're going to see from Isaiah Hartenstein in game one as a Cav? Yeah, I, I would expect him to struggle just given the matchup um, with Gobert and, and what he's able to do around the basket. Um, but that that's understandable. I think Hartenstein will be able to rebound decently well. Um, I, I think he'll be able to be a presence inside. I would expect him to at least bother a number of shots, which he, he's been able to do. I mean, per 36, um, his, that, that's shown um, at least to a decent extent and does a, a solid job playing vertical. I think we'll see that, but... I don't think it'll really matter much just with how, <laughs> I guess, dynamic and pro- prolific, whatever words you want to say about the Jazz uh, perimeter offense. So I-, I don't know how much that'll matter, but I think it'll be, he'll be okay. Um, offensively, again, probably struggle. There's going to be some rust there, new teammates too. Um, but I-, I think he'll give them some energy, be a presence on the interior and, he does run the floor pretty well um, for his size. Yeah, I think his, his value tonight will kind of manifest itself just in the fact that he is a big body on this team right now that's going to be going up against Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors. Uh, they're going to need him to play and to, to play big. So, you know, I, I think that alone, even if it isn't a big box score night, even if there are some moments where, you know, he either gets blocked by Gobert or w- whatever happens, I think especially in a time right now where we don't have Jared Allen. And I think at some point you'd have to think with one of these roster spots, the Cavaliers bring in a third big. I'm still a believer that that will happen, whether it's Coppin Gailey or someone else. Uh, we're just going to have to see. But tonight, just having that size, you know, will, will be valuable enough. I do have one question for you, and I'll start with you, Dan. Obviously, it's a little bit too early to tell with Hartenstein, but... Who goes down as the greater all-time Cav? Isaiah Hartenstein or Ante Zizic? You starting with me? Yes. I'll say Hartenstein. I actually think he could 
honestly like pick up his player option beer next year. I, I I think he'll be viable as much more athletic than Ante Zizic, who is I, I really don't know if he can jump over a phone book legitimately. Amadou, you seemed a little bit lower on Isaiah. Uh, if a guy you don't see you being here long term, who do you think goes down as the greater all time calf? Yeah, I was a little bit lower, but if we're being honest, Ante was kind of the lowest of the low. I do think it'd be uh, Isaiah Harnstein, just because what Dan said, at least Harnstein can move. Zizis couldn't really do much of that, so yeah. Yeah. I'm with you for what it's worth. I just had to ask the question. <laughs> um,. We already have some some good stories from Hartenstein too. Uh, I think it mentioned in like a Zoom interview or whatever uh, that he already needed to buy new socks and underwear for this extended road trip because he was away from home. So I don't know. I like the guy. I like what we're gonna see here. Um, hopefully tonight doesn't go too terribly. One more thing I just kind of want to talk about a little bit tonight is. Uh, some prospects, something we really haven't talked a lot about. Uh, I said, you know, we were going to kind of start bringing it up a little bit more. We can do a deeper dive on Cade Cunningham at a later date. I think most people at this point know exactly, not exactly, but at least, you know, in general, what kind of thing Cade Cunningham could bring to any team. I kind of want to talk about those two through five guys being the, the Suggs, Mobley, uh, Kuminga, Jalen Green guys. I just kind of want to do a quick overview of each of them and talk about you know which ones we think would be the best fit on this team currently kind of the best fit with this young core that we have growing already i'll start with you amadou out of those four guys who is your favorite just and we'll just go fit wise who do you think would would mesh best with the group that we have right now can i go in reverse order i kind of like that better so if we want to talk about the worst fit i think it's obviously Suggs, just because i mean you you obviously already have your your duo of Garland and Sexton Suggs isn't big enough to play the the, um, the three. Next, it's difficult. I want to say Mobley probably, but then again, he's just such a unicorn at seven foot. I feel like he could definitely play the four, but then again, I feel like playing him at the four may be limiting him just a bit. So we can go with him. And I want to say that I want to say that Cade probably fits the best with obviously Jalen Green being the, the the second best fit in my opinion. Just because I mean Cade is, is six six seven six eight two twenty. Are you talking about Cade or Kuminga? Oh, you said Kuminga. Excuse me, Kuminga. Yes. Mm. Yeah, I probably. Oh, actually, no. I think I think Jalen Green is a better fit than than Kuminga is. Personally, Dude, just interesting. Because just just because Kuminga's his shooting, it's it's a big question mark. I feel like if if he was a better shooter, obviously I feel like he'd be a better fit for us. So yeah, I, I I just I just really love what what Jalen Green could bring to this team. I mean, you just talk about a natural born scorer, an elite, quick, super quick first step, and he's shown that three point shooting ability at the two or the three wherever they decide to play him. Honestly, he'd be great for us. My only concerns are obviously he is he is about one eighty, and on this team, at least for right now, you never know what could happen in the future. He could probably play in the three, or he could just come off the bench for us. Either way, he probably matching against most wings. And it'll be tough for him to start, but I feel like over time, obviously, as he grows into his body, we could see that, you know, become better for him. I think I have my list made out. Uh, Dan, if you want to go in kind of the similar order to Amadou there. Oh, you, just you, looking you, at you, those, go, you go first. I'm, I'm intrigued. Okay. 
so I have obviously I have Suggs as well uh, as going again from from lowest or from worst fit to best fit. Yeah. Um, I think, and I do like Suggs as a prospect, but I think it's clearly just from a pure. And we're not talking about abilities; just talking yeah. pure, pure just from pure a fit, fit. standpoint. Mm-hmm. I just it, it would get complicated uh, having another, and I think he's more of a true point guard than either Garland. Or Sexton, even though Garland has you know shown plenty of, of flashes, I, I think that that Suggs is really going to be a ball dominant guy at the next level. And that's not to say it's a bad thing, but it's just the way that he plays. Uh, I had Jalen Green third, mm. and I will say again, I really like Jalen Green, and will be very very happy if the Cavs end up with him because I think from a pure talent standpoint, he's probably my number two guy behind Cade Cunningham just as far as okay like who do I think like has the potential to like be the best player outside of Cade I think it's Jalen Green but I also don't really know the viability of a Garland Sexton Jalen Green starting lineup like that that again that will that will raise questions and I think it's worth it if he can get Jalen Green I just think the guy's that good I think you you, you take him and figure it out later but just looking at it from a pure fit standpoint, I, I, I am concerned with the fit between those three guys. Um, I, I think I had Evan Mobley next. Um, I think Evan Mobley is a guy who will see some minutes at the power forward early on in his career. Um, he's, he's obviously very thin and another guy who is supremely talented. You know, all of these guys are. Um, but I think that he is a guy who could kind of slide in there in some bigger lineups and play for. Yeah. Um, you, you talk about the Cavaliers' big lineups. Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Larry Nance would be a ton of fun to watch. Um, and, you know, he can kind of slide in there. This team, you know, still kind of searching for that backup center spot. We'll see what becomes of Hartenstein. But I, I think that, you know, you could play Mobley in those backup center minutes as well. Uh, so I think you could make that work a little bit easier than you could fitting a guy like Jalen Green in. And then from a pure st- fit standpoint, and I understand the offensive concerns, especially with the shooting. Um, and just the lack of shooting with, you know, Okoro, Allen, and, you know, some of the other guys who have struggled off the bench this year shooting from outside. But I still do believe that uh, Jonathan Kuminga would be, as of right now, you know, just the most natural fit with everyone else in this lineup. Again, a bigger wing, 3-4 kind of hybrid type guy. Um, I still believe in the jump shot. Well, I, I believe that it will come along. Obviously, it's not there now. But again, in a similar sense to Okoro, I don't even think it's as bad as Okoro's was. Uh, I, I think that you know the shot doesn't look broken. I think that it is, will be very fixable with time. Uh, and I just think he does enough else well. Um, that's who I would. And, and again, defensively, I think he would fit right in as another you know just versatile wing defender who can you know switch probably you know two through four right away. Um, maybe guard some point guards at times. Uh, I, I don't think you're ever going to get small ball five minutes from him in a real you know time amount. But that would be my guy as far as just pure fit-wise. Uh, You're up, Dan. All right. So, yeah, I'm with you on Suggs. That's that's the least. I, I, I honestly just wouldn't even entertain him if I'm the Cavs at all. Um, again, not – but just given the roster Here, construction. I'll say whatever. this. If the Cavs are picking fifth and Suggs is left, would you not consider him? No, I would be going Scotty Barnes all the way. Really? Mm. I don't even think it would be close. Man, um, that's just my opinion. Um, that that's a guy I love, especially if they were if they ended up having like this like talk about Scotty Barnes for a minute. We got we got time. Uh, okay, um, 
we know the shot needs a lot of work. Uh, definitely needs work. Um, not much CNS viability at all. Um, has needs a lot of work, but just what he's able to do legitimately one through four um, has some post up ability. Uh, I think that intrigues me a lot from him. And I know nobody, I, I know people just gloss over when they hear post up, they're like, Oh God, and roll their eyes, whatever. But that still matters. Like if, if you're six, five plus and have some post up viability, at least gets you free throws and he can shoot those. And, Un, like unbelievable instincts in transition and in the NBA, like transition does matter. Like it's, you're going to get more opportunities to get up and down. He's a dangerous grab and go guy and really has unique vision, like real like stud vision that you don't see that often. Um, I, I think like people want to kind of compare him between him and Jalen Johnson. I don't see any comparison at all whatsoever. Um, far, far, just way higher IQ. Um, and even in settled offense, his ability to play through contact, initiate it, um, get to those push shots, he, he can he can dominate games. Um, I think he's just kind of a next-level type guy, um, frankly. That's that's a dude I'd be really looking at. Um, but, yeah, so... Continuing going, on with the list. Going back, so, yeah, Suggs, least fit, uh, worst fit, whatever. Um, number four... Uh, this is tough. I'll say just, I'll say Mobley for now there. Um, just because, yeah, it's kind of a four or five hybrid. I, I see him as more of a four, frankly, um, at least early on. He needs, he needs to, I mean, if he's going to be a five, really needs to add a like, noticeable amount of mu- muscle and weight. Um, still pretty thin in the lower half. That that matters when you're playing the five, because um, there's still a lot of guys that are big that play the five that are burly. So that matters. Um, but unbelievable talent, no doubt about it. Does really about all you can ask for. Um, besides, really aside from low post defense at this point. Um, but I think I'm a little bit concerned about his lack of aggression. I think that's something to look at. Um, would like to see that more. Um, two, two kind of, kind of splash and go in that way with him. Um, but you could figure it out with him and yeah, I'm with you. Those lineups with Nance at three would be fun. Um, number three, I'll, I'll say, I'll say Kaminga, um, just because there's a little bit of a question mark as far as what is, is he a three, four? Um, I, I believe he's only listed at six, six, which is, um, that's a tad bit of a concern, I, I would say, for a four. But uh, vertical, I mean, just really explosive athlete uh, has, I thought, really showed real change of pace in, in the G League run. I think that was really like a really promising development with him. Um, has a much, much better handle than I think he's given credit for. Um, again, with, when you see young kids, um, young guys know you use change of pace that, that quick, um, with his kind of in and outs, hesitations, uh, I just think a dude that will just live at the line, he's, he's going to be able to get production for you just from that alone. Um, and is, I mean, is a far better shooter than Isaac or Isaac was coming in, at least can get to pull-ups is, is willing to hit those. He can hit those. 
Um, and then there's an, another guy that you can kind of get Iverson cuts to and allow him to kind of create out of the mid post. Really showed promise as a passer, too. Um, and if you got him in this, like, he's, I think he's an elite, elite defender. Uh, just really good versatility in that end. And for a bigger body, I, I think he's still going to grow into his body a little bit. So I'll say him there. Um, and then Jalen Green, I'm kind of with Amadou, is at this point, I mean, I'm kind of torn between him and Kaminga, who I'd rather have at two. Um, but just, yeah, like, unbelievable, just twitch. Um, showed change of pace, too. Showed kind of pullback stuff that um, in the G League we kind of didn't see based on the film and um, coming in. But, yeah, the, the dude has looks like, like young Derrick Rose athleticism, just truly rare. Well, interesting. Good stuff. And I think we can all agree. What were you going to say, Amadou? I was just going to say really quickly, since we're just talking about, just very briefly, just talking about um, prospects, if we, the Cavs somehow drop out of the top five, another prospect I want to throw out there, how do you guys feel about Franz Wagner out of Michigan? I was thinking about him the other day, actually, like a lot. But to me, he's like the perfect like trade down guy. If you were to mm-hmm. trade down, I think like that, I was I was going to say that I was yes. yeah. I, like, I say I think for that, I think taking him in the top eight would be a reach. Um, but I, I I do like him as a a guard wing defender. Can I yeah? Can I throw out another uh, guy for you, Amadou? Please. Do you how do you feel about Book Knight? Hmm. He's an interesting type of guy because like, he he's, to me is Jordan Clarkson. Like yeah, get, like get, like say, like mm-hmm. like it floor though. Ooh, floor. I, okay. I just think his. I, I know that the the three point splits weren't great, but he he just has like just the rare, natural touch to him. I feel like yeah, that natural touch to him that you just can't really teach. I, yeah. I agree with that. Like he's got unreal body control to mm-hmm. it too, which to me matters a lot. Yeah. I definitely agree, but I was just thinking about um, Franz Wagner and even James, you know, Low Knight too. Just because you know you said uh, Justin talking about if you know Jalen Suggs is there at five, would you take him? I feel like the better option for the Cavs would be to find a trade down, Agreed. get another pick maybe next year, or you can get another pick this year too, as well as getting you know Low Knight or like a Franz Wagner or maybe even like a Moses Moody too. I feel like that's that, that's great for the mm-hmm. Cavs. Yeah, a, a trade down scenario would probably be the best option there. Especially a, a guy like Jalen Suggs, I think is going to be a very good player. You, know, you, you could get something, you know, legitimately good for him if it was if the situation presented itself. Um, I don't have enough intel on James Booknight. I've I've only just started my real, you know, diving into draft prospects. My I, I'm still very early in the process. I don't watch too much college basketball during the season. Uh, outside of the the Mid American Conference, which isn't loaded with prospects, I will say this though: if the Cavs were maybe like if they if they just had one first round pick, if they were to like acquire a second round pick, if they were Take to Jason get Jason Preston, if they were to get him, that would be tremendous to me. Like that is your like bookend backup go- like one right there, and I'm he, here he for has catch and shoot viability too. Yeah, the shot hasn't always been there throughout his college oh, yeah, career, but you know, I think it's, it's come on as of late. Uh, it was it was kind of funny. So he was a he's a junior this year, correct? 
He's like after a sophomore season. So, yeah. I mean, basically, at, like, it, academically, I would assume, like, he probably yeah. has graduated. I guess I don't know, but... Anyway, look, like, last season. That's so not this, this the season that we're currently in, but the season before. Um, our scouting report, uh, BG scouting report against him was, like, play off of him because he is not a shooter. You know, go under screens. Just let him take the threes if he wants them. And he ended up going, like, five for five from three and a half. Like, he definitely has it in him. And again, I think he's improved, you know, considerably there this year as well. It's still not necessarily a threat, but it's something he's capable of doing. Yeah, if the Cavaliers somehow ended up with with him, Jason Preston, I think, just from a, a story standpoint alone, I think that would be really, really incredible. Yeah. Um, he's, he's got, like, Lonzo in him to me. Obviously not the bit. same athlete, I mean, just, but kind but of a bigger guard who, yeah. Those, has those, those jump passes chops. that you're like, no, 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 yes, and and they're, they're like, he's got money on those. All right, well, I think that's enough prospect talk for now. I want to talk briefly about this Jazz game tonight. Uh, I, I'm assuming do we do we have a starting lineup yet? I don't know if we do, um, but it's. I'd assume that Dean Wade would probably get this started, huh? Do you just, think it's Dean Wade? I was going to say, do you go? Do you go Hartenstein? I don't know. I just want to say just because... I think you have to go Hartenstein, don't you? Against Gobert? I think you have you to start Hartenstein. You got somebody that can maybe that can draw fouls on yeah. Gobert. Like, somebody. I, th- I thought we were going to start Nance again, but if it's not him, I think it has to be Isaiah. I just want to say because, you know, obviously we know Gobert to be an elite room protector, but getting him out in space, you know, having him guard the perimeter more can maybe open up the paint more for us. That was just my philosophy of, of why, you know, you probably go Dean Wade over him. But, I mean, yeah, I mean... I'd, I'd definitely, obviously, be more, or there, there's a high chance that Hornstein could get the start. I think the Cavs will probably, uh, we might go with Brad Thomas at the three again. I think we could go yeah. with Isaac Okoro at the four again. I think against just the Jazz, that's a team that you can do that again. <laughs> I mean, just see, what, not? just see what can happen at this point. Yeah, they're gonna, there is no way they're covering <laughs> in this Stretch game the anyway. Limits. Might as well. <laughs> Stretch the limits. See what, see how far you can go. Because uh, let's um, face it, go go bear on balls like zero. Like you're not gonna like run action yeah. through Rudy Gobert. Like I, I think at this point if, you might just lean into it for a game for the hell of it. I still don't. I mean, I, I obviously love Isaac Okoro as a defender. Uh, I, you can't just call him a zero on offense. I mean, he's still a lob threat that Isaac isn't gonna be yeah, able to cover. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm joshing you, but. Eh, I guess. I, well, to me, like I'd rather them start Hardenstein in all seriousness at the five, just because I'd rather not Dean Wade potentially be in foul trouble. Because I yeah. mean, we're at the point in the season where Dean Wade is like like a key offensive threat for us, so you can't allow him to be in foul trouble. Do we see Lamar Stevens backup centerman tonight? I was, uh, yeah. I well, think that you well, I think well. Lamar could check Derek Favors. Oh, I think he yeah. could. Derek Favors I think that's is something. not not at this point in his career really like a, they're not gonna like they're not gonna give him a ton of post up touches anymore. No, 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 no. And he plays what yeah, like sixteen really minutes anyway. I, he plays a little bit more than that, doesn't he? I'd have to double I don't check. Think so. But anyway, I, I, it'll be interesting to see what the Cavaliers Lamar come up give with him tonight. Buckets. <laughs> he could, he could. <laughs> I'd like to see that. I just want to note quickly, too, that uh, J.B. Bickerstaff, Bickerstaff did say earlier today that uh, Tarian Prince is making good progress on a return. Oh, yeah. Uh, a night like tonight would be nice to have him. 
but it should be sooner rather than later based on what we've seen with Tarion. Just as one last side note, is JJ Redick active? Is he playing? He is not active yet. Um, I think oh, what I saw God. today is the Mavericks still like don't know exactly when he will be active for games, so it might be a little while still. Nico Melli, on the other hand, I'm not sure. Oh, that was a brain fart. I was thinking he was on Utah. He signed with Utah for some odd reason. Never mind. Oh, yeah, oh no, 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 right. Never mind. That was dumb. no. Apologies. JJ Redick will not be playing for the Jazz tonight. Can confirm. Because <laughs> uh, his because Duke Snyder or, or no Quinn Snyder is his is his Quinn dude. Snyder. So yeah, never mind. <laughs> Dan, we talked about the viability of the Cavs bringing in Jeff Teague last episode did it hurt you to say to see that Jeff Teague signed with the Bucks and will not be signing with the Cavaliers no I, I am so glad we didn't get the, <laughs> the the 12 year layup maker in Jeff Teague I, I cannot stand there's a few players I despise more than Jeff Teague actually like his ability to cry for foul calls was un- unbelievable. Like, it is unreal how many foul calls he would get in, in Indiana. I am so over Jeff Teague. He makes me cringe every time he plays. Anymore, I think that's an understandable take, but I, I've always I've, I've always liked Jeff Teague. I don't know. I think, like, up yeah, until I, Minnesota, well, like, I, I liked Atlanta Jeff Teague. I liked watching Atlanta Jeff Teague play. Former All-Star Jeff Teague. Everyone's talking about, you know, the buyouts with LaMarcus Aldridge and Blake Griffin forming a super team in in Brooklyn. Nobody's talking about, you know, the the, the Bucks adding another all-star. Wasn't DeMar Carroll an all-star then, too? On that no, team? no DeMar Carroll was the one starter who wasn't. He was close, but he didn't make it. It was oh. Jeff Teague, Kyle Korver, uh, Paul Millsap, and Al Horford. Wow, what a... Wow, what, what a, a star what started. E- <laughs> what, was that, that was back when the, it was the East, right, I think? Yes, yes. Wow, that... Yuck. I forgot to mention it earlier. I do just have one more question for you guys. Uh, Andre Drummond officially now is a Laker. Uh, we had talked about it a little bit before we recorded. Uh, Dan, I'll get your thoughts on it first, Amadou. What do you think is going to become of the Andre Drummond Lakers experiment? Man, I just I just hope he plays well because that Laker fan base is ruthless. Um, so ho- hopefully Drummond, if there's no more crazy layups, misses at the rim, yada, 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 yada. Honestly, I hope he plays well. I mean, you know, when they are healthy, coming back with LeBron and AD should get a, give him some better looks at the rim. Hopefully increase that um, uh, percentage around the rim because all three of us have seen, you know, crazy, crazy, wild misses uh, near the rim. But I think he'll be he'll obviously be an impactful player for them. Um, and honestly, I do hope he succeeds. You know, he was he was great for us to begin the year. Obviously, the ending was a little little rough, but I hope I hope it all goes well for Andre. I was gonna say I, I think it's gonna work. I think he's gonna be a real difference maker. Um, he had just said today that you know he he wants to be the guy that, that takes the bumps and bruises for AD. Let him play the four. Um, I don't know. I think he's going to buy into this role. I think he's going to embrace just being on a winning basketball team for once. And I think he's going to do what it takes to win. And I think I, just, I think we're going to see – I won't say necessarily a different player, but we're not going to see, you know, standing at the elbow certainly for an entire possession and then throwing the ball behind him to nobody. Like, I think we're going to get a good version of Andre Drummond. I think he's going to be a real difference maker. 
on on this Lakers team. Dan, I know you have some opinions on this. I want to hear them. Uh, no, 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 no. Is that eight no's? <laughs> I'm going to say eight no's. Um, eight no's? I think Andre How Drummond. How do you decide on eight? Why not nine? Uh, we'll just go with, eight. We'll go with eight for now. That seems about right. Maybe like 8.3. Okay. Um, but, ugh, yeah, I, I see. Oh, wait, hold on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Real quick before you get into this. Tarion Prince will return tonight from his shoulder injury that has kept him out the entire second half. So, Torian's coming off the bench tonight. I was going to say, Torian Prince had a, um, he had an Instagram post today, like about a couple of hours back, that said, it's, he said he was going to play tonight or something like that. I want to see if I can find it. Breaking Anyway, while he's finding it, Dan, yeah. we need the, I, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. I just had to say oh, that. It's right here. It says clocking in today. He posted four hours ago, so. Okay. Yeah, I guess he's back, yeah. Nice. Four, four minutes ago, so nice. But anyway, I, I got to hear it, Dan. Yeah, I just think it'll it'll be the Andre Drummond show until LeBron and AD come back, whenever that is. What is it, like two weeks or something? And it, it'll be the, like, doing his, like, shoulder, sh- like, shrug after a made layup, after he missed the previous five, and then he'll miss a free throw, and it, people laugh because he shoots, like, eight of 17 and all on layups and he'll have gaudy stats. Initially they'll lose by like 12 and, and then when LeBron and AD come back, he'll him buying into like a rolling big and like bought in defender. I I just, I, I, I don't believe it until I see it. I don't see him being a playoff contributor. That's just my opinion. I could be wrong. I guess I wish him the best of luck. I guess. I mean, he, he seems okay was nice with the Cavs. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't see – I think Drummond, this is going to be a very non-lucrative offseason for him, quite frankly, given his limitations. And they'll be shown on the national stage. Or lack thereof, well, I mean, actually. Maybe they won't be shown, really. I mean, if nothing else, just the fact that he doesn't have bird rights with this team anymore is going to be a problem because he's going to have to stand with a team that has cap space or he's going to have to go for a mid-level so, no, the Andre Drummond free agency market is not going to be spectacular. But, um, Charlotte. Anyway, Charlotte, New York. New York could still be a thing. We don't know. But anyway, I think we're going to get out of here with that. Anything else from either of you before we do? No, no, uh, Torian Prince, mobile five minutes, you don't think? I think you gotta you gotta play <laughs> yeah. him sparingly and don't, yeah. don't hurt your shoulder again, Torian. Yeah. I think the Jazz might score 200 points. I was going to say, what are, we, what are our predictions for tonight? I think it'll be bad, but hey, what can you really do? I'm going to say Jazz 142, Cavs 98. Hmm. I'm going to say it's the end of a it's the end of a road trip. I, I can understand end that. Of a road trip. I'm going to be a little bit more modest and say the Cavs lose by 15. <sighs> it might be 30 plus, honestly. <laughs> yeah. I don't think it'll be good. Probably not. Probably not. Well, anyway, with that, we'll have to see again. That game will be finished by the time this goes up. Um, Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much, Dan Amadou, for coming on. Uh, If you enjoyed listening, subscribe. Uh, Go listen to some older episodes. There's plenty of them now. I believe this is episode 70 of Cavalier Central. So if you've listened to any other episodes, I do thank you. Uh, Leave a rating. Leave a review. It helps the show. And, uh, yeah, hopefully... 
the Cavaliers lose by less than 20 points tonight, and screw Harrison Barnes. Yeah, that'd be your <laughs> birthday present, wouldn't it? It'd be a great birthday present. Just well, don't lose by 30. nugget, maybe. Man, I already had enough food today. I, I don't know if I need nuggets. but no, that's fair. Maybe tomorrow. We'll see. Thank you for listening to Cavalier Central. Be on the lookout for another episode coming soon.